Lord is so good because the one thing that the Lord reminds me every day that none of us have completely arrived. And you know what? I love it. When we recognize our weakness, man, that's when he can do a lot. That is really, and you know, that's the one thing it's so hard for people to trust being weak in front of people. So what we're going to talk about tonight, which I'm going to kind of lean it up here, is we're going to talk a little bit about shame. And this was kind of motivated, and we're going to open up with prayer, but I just kind of want to tell you, this was motivated by, I just don't want those candles. No, I think this will be good, yeah. I'm good with it like this. Um, This is motivated by soul shifters. Um, The one thing I think is really awesome about soul shifters, soul, it's soul shifters, right? Is that every battle we deal with in this dispensation is in our soul. It's not about anything else. When God, when you read the Old Testament, which I'm going to read something about the church today, you have to know that when they're talking about the physical things, you need to classify them and know, okay, where are they in my soul? Where are they in my mind? Where are they in my heart? Because just like Gina's taught, we have the heart of the spirit, but we also have the heart of the soul. All right. And then that is that heart gets tossed to and fro. You can see your little heart getting tossed this way, getting tossed that way. Your little heart, you know what I mean? And every time you go through something, God's trying to gain ground to get a full heart. You know, he's trying to fill in so you have a whole heart beating for God. So let's open up in prayer. So Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you and we honor you and we give you the glory. Lord, we elevate and we lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor you for you truly are the master architect. With your son Jesus, how you created the earth, you created the heavens, and you created us. Thank you for showing us and building that trust of relationship with you. Lord, thank you for recognizing even what wasn't working and how you sent the beauty of your son Jesus Christ into the world so that we could be reconnected into you. So, Lord, open our eyes and open our ears to feel the reconnection, hear the reconnection, and to apply that word that's going to reconnect us into another bond with you. The word says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. So no matter what, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have been given internal threefold accord. And as we trust and build on it, there should be no lack or gain. So Lord, we honor you and we invite you, Holy Spirit, into this teaching to help guide its understanding and to change us. In the mighty name of Jesus. So it is awesome. I get excited about change now more than I ever did before. And I want to open up with lamentations. And Todd, you don't have to put this on the screen. I'm just going to read it out loud um, because it's a little bit long. But I want everybody to take some time and meditate on Lamentations chapter 1. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. I'm just going to read part of it to you. And um, it's kind of awesome. When Gene and I met today, um, he showed me this, Lamentations. It's something he got this morning out of his war room. And I thought it was awesome. We are in the time and disposition for the church age to be transformed into the kingdom age. But we're still called the church. So it doesn't mean the church is dead. It doesn't mean we're trying to get rid of the church. We're not trying to do anything against the church. We're just trying to take what's in that church which is cardinal, which is a mixture, and it needs to be transformed 
into the kingdom way, which is through Jesus Christ, that he has to transform us. Let me tell you, our book, What's Holding You Back? It is going to be published. We are working on it, and I am rewriting the chapters, refining them, refining them, refining them. And you know what? That We opened up with that verse in John where it says we have to go through the door. We can't go over the wall. We can't steal it. We can't climb the highest mountain to get the revelation. We actually have to go through a doorway of change with him. That's what the church has not taught. The church has never taught us how to do it, who to follow. And that's where the church, the Episcopal church never taught me who to follow. It told me what I should, you know, understand that there is a God and there is a son and there is a Holy Spirit, but it didn't tell me how or who. It didn't give me direction. And that's where it is. Lamentations 1 says, How solitary and lonely sits the city of Jerusalem that was once full of people. How, like a widow, has she become? She who is great among the nations and princes and prince and princes among the providences has become a tributary. She weeps bitterly in the night. And her tears are constantly on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile to escape from the afflictions and the laborious servitude of the homeland. She dwells among the heathen nations and she finds no rest. And her persecutors overlook her and a in amid the, d- the dire straits of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the, to the solemn assembly or the appointed feast. All her gates, also known as doors, are desolate. Her priests sigh and groan. Her maidens are grieved and vexed. And she herself is in bitterness. All right. I read that because I'm going to break you something. The city of Jerusalem is you. You are the city of Jerusalem. All right. Who is Judah? Judah is Judah means praise. And then what is Zion? It says the roads to Zion. All right. Zion is the place of wholeness where God has us going to. You ever hear? We're daughters of Zion. Have you ever heard a mother of Zion? Well, Zion are where God wants his children to head towards. All right. So now let's go back and look at this. It says, how solitary and lonely sits the city of Jerusalem that was once filled with people. Come on. How can we look at our lives and know that there was a point in our lives we were once filled with what? People. We were filled with life. We were filled with things. We kind of had a way of what we thought. All right. And then it says, how like a widow she has become. Okay. What a widow becomes what? A widow has what? Loss. So there's a time that we can be so full of everything around us. Then we come into a feeling like a loss, feeling like we don't have. She who was great among the nations and princes among the provinces has become a tributary, a servitude. That means there is a place that we actually get lifted up 
and it's not the place where God had us. But then we get put what? Down. All right. She weeps bitterly in the night and her tears are constantly on her cheeks. You know when something's changing in your life. That's going to be the first sign. She weeps bitterly in the night and her tears are constantly on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, lovers are our idols, the things that we're believing in that aren't God. She has no one to comfort her because guess what? Ultimately, when it comes to you and what God wants to do with you, the things you think are going to take care of you, they are not going to take care of you. You can't rely on them. We can't rely on them. We have to rely on the one God. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. How times have we felt that when God changes us from one position to the next, we're going to what? We're going to lose the people we think are friends because God's going to reveal their true motive in your life. They have become our enemies. And here's the kicker, Judah. Judah means praise. That means, think about it, praise has gone into exile to escape from the affliction and the laborious servitude of the homeland. You know what that means? That means you actually hit a point where if you know God and you leave him, you cannot worship him. You can't enter into that worship because why? It becomes what? Exiled because you're believing in another person to save you. You're believing in an idol. You're believing in money. You're believing whatever you believe. Judah has gone into exile. That means there are times God tests us. And when he tests us, Think about this in the church. People get lifted up, right? They get things. They get, God blesses them with a harvest. And Jean mentioned it. Harvest, harvest, harvest. It's a time everybody's going to receive. Some 30, some 60, some 100%. Whatever it is for your time. We can't sit and judge anybody's harvest. Because the harvest could be see, so simple to somebody. But it is so great to that person's life. But you know when you're disconnected. That means you're falling into other lovers because the Judah in you, the praise has becomes, it go, has gone into exile from the affliction and the laborious servitude of the homeland. That means whoever you're serving, that's the lie. Do you know what, what is their job to get you not to do what? Worship him. That praise goes into exile. It can't, you don't even want to do it anymore. She dwells among the heathen nations. Okay, now she starts turning back to her old ways. But she finds what? No rest. All her, per all her persecutors overtook her amid the dire straits of her distress. The roads to Zion. That's where we need to stay on. Mourn. The roads to Zion mourn. Man, we're supposed to be daughters of Zion. But if we're not staying on that path, the path even what? mourns. That road to where you're supposed to go is mourning your loss. Isn't that powerful? And it says, because no one comes to the solemn assembly or the appointed feast, that means there is a time for seed. There is a time in time for your rest. And there's a time for a harvest. And that means we have to know the appointed feasts. We have to know the time to assemble. We have to know the time to rest. We have to know the different times and moves. We have to know, I love this, we've already learned about advancing the kingdom of God when the adversary comes first, then the tempter, and then what happened? The oppositions. You know your life cycles if you know that chart. You know what you're going through. 
because none of us have what arrived to the fullness. If we have your good, you're, you're almost to heaven. So part of the development, and you can read through this because then it starts talking about her adversaries in verse five, and it starts talking about the development of how you feel. So read all chapter one, because it really is what comes in this door. When people start walking through this door, it's to get them back on the path to Zion so that they can rejoice in what God has created you to be. And see, the big issue for tonight, the word I'm going to use is trust. Because in trust, if we don't trust and learn how to trust, I've already read this, Proverbs. I don't know if I've read it to this group, but um, Proverbs 31.11, Todd, if you can put that up. Proverbs 31.11. It says, the heart of her husband safely what? Trusts her. So she will have no lack of gain. Now, this is so powerful because everybody is the bride of Christ. I taught this in the real estate class. And everybody, I don't care if you're boy or girl, you are what? A wife, okay? I say that in a cute way, to Christ, all right? He is the bridegroom coming to get his bride. The spirit and the bride say what? Come, all right? Come, that means he cannot come until the spirit and the what? Bride. That means the soul and the spirit scream out and say, come. All right. The heart of her husband, Jesus, safely trusts in her. He already trusts us. To a measure, he already trusts us. And he said, so he will have no lack of gain in that person. So I want everybody to think about this. If we look at anything we're connected to, I always tell everybody, I'm married to this this whole building. This is my husband, right? So if this building trusts in me and I trust in this, that means we have what? Trust. That means there will be no lack of gain on the business side or this ministry side. If everybody who comes into their destiny looks at it that way, if I can get that what? Safely trust her feeling that we all want to get with Jesus. That means it doesn't make a difference where we're at. We are learning to trust. So we will have what? No lack of gain. Now let's think about that in a marriage. And I love Sheila's marriage. I do. Sheila, I do love your marriage with Franklin. It was awesome because it was God ordained. It was God. Everything about it was by the word, which really just overtook me. Like the more I've gotten to know Sheila and the more we've talked over the years and then coming into her home, you know, when Franklin passed away, the assignment was done. It was perfect. And there was trust. The heart of her husband safely trust her. I'm going to tell you, that's all you heard at the funeral was how awesome their marriage was. It had what? Peace. Even he released that to her. He gave that to her. When he passed, before he passed, he said, man, this has been the best 12 years. I've had peace. So that means what? By the time from the beginning to the time he was let go, he trusted her. All right, now it doesn't mean he trusted her the same at the end that he did in the beginning. That's the same with our relationship with Christ. He's always ready to trust us. Are we ready to trust him? So he will have no lack of gain. Do you know that Christ working through you wants to have no lack of gain? Well, man, when I looked at Sheila, our marriages are supposed to be examples of our relationships with Christ. So when we've got that cord working, that threefold cord working through us, well, then there should be what? No 
Like, meditate on that for a while. I'm telling you, that hit me. The Lord told me the more I would love this building and love the mission of the ministry and honor Gene and Zinni, and then to honor Gene over on the business side, being his partner, you know what I mean? Because we're partners over there, that if I honor that in him and do everything he has asked me to do, whether it benefits me or not, what is being developed is a safe trust is being developed. And when that is set, I mean, it is set, then you will have no lack of gain. There is, it's impossible to break the word of God. We have to learn that the word is a shield. It is a shield. If we know the word, we meditate on the word, then it becomes a shield to that solitary and lonely sight of the city in Lamentations. The word shields us from feeling solitary. The word will shield us from feeling lonely. The word will give us a relationship with Christ, a relationship that you just, it is, it, you can't, I, I don't even know how to describe it. I was trying to tell Mamie this morning about it. It truly does manifest and it manifests in the way. And for me, I am very thankful of the way God did my life because I needed, I have a strong personality. I needed to do it the way we are all assigned to do it a different way but still get to the same result, which is to manifest and benefit from the trust of our relationship in Jesus Christ. We're all to manifest the benefits of trust. I like that. What's the benefits of trust? No lack of, there is no lack of gain. Now I got, I'm telling you, that really does get me excited. It does get me excited. I can't even begin to tell you. Turn to Psalms. Can you put up there? Psalms 1830, Todd. Psalms 1830. I love Proverbs and Psalms because it says even in Ephesians, when we're in spirit, you know, we are singing Psalms. Well, it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is what? Proven. It is proven. He is a what? Shield to all who trust in him. Now, come on. That's beautiful. If we say, hey, we just have to say, as for God, his way is perfect. Our way is not perfect. When you continue to read Lamentations, it's going to, it even uses the word, my strength. In my strength, there is nothing. But in his strength, we have what? Everything. All right. So his way is perfect. So first you have to concede that. That is the first part. If you can't recognize that God is trying to teach you something perfect, if you can't recognize that when we worship him, he's trying to what? He's trying to manifest something in you that's what? Perfect. He's trying to perfect you. You cannot perfect yourself. You can't do it. Nowhere it says in here that you can do it yourself. All you have to do is trust the word. And now we've got to learn, okay, well, what order of the word do I trust? Well, the first thing you have to learn is find every scripture that tells you that you have to trust this what? word. That is going to be the first thing we have to trust. You can't just pick a verse and start trusting it. If you don't even believe that his way is perfect, the first thing we have to believe is his way is perfect. It is above all other ways. It is a highway to holiness. And guess what even is? It's not a highway. You think you can see a highway, right? Because a highway goes right through a city. You see all the ramps, you see anything. This highway most people cannot what? See. It is covered to the public. But the people that are on it are moving down the highway. But the rest of the world can't see it. 
They cannot see it because they have not come to the result of the conclusion that his way is perfect. They haven't come to that. So the word of the Lord is proven. Oh, this is so beautiful. Even for, I love it. I come from a very Jewish populated area. And guess what? Jewish people don't necessarily believe. They believe Jesus was a great rabbi, but they don't believe Jesus was the savior of our salvation. They, and that's understandable. God has a special place for his chosen ones, the Jewish people, because they do believe in his law. That is great. And they know about feasts and appointed times. And there's a beauty in that. And so it's the word of the Lord is proven. Well, the most beautiful thing is when things come up about the word, even in the New Testament, it can be brought back to the law. And if anybody studies it, it this whole Bible was written over, what, 4,000 years? And it doesn't contradict itself. And that's why I truly believe that whatever got put into this canon is what he wants us to focus on. And so I'm not saying other publications aren't good like the Dead Sea Scrolls because they backed up truth in this is what the awesome thing that they discovered. I had to study about this. I never heard about it until Zinni started teaching about it. I looked up the Dead Sea Scrolls and there were actually additional scrolls and gospels written by some of the disciples. But what it was most powerful to is it backed up things that were in the Bible. It may not have been the chosen books that God wanted us to focus on, the canon, the complete canon, but it still backs things up. Does that make sense? Okay, so I truly believe that a one can't go to any other source until they've got this source. All right, I always am careful about people, babies coming in, trying to get into other sources when they really need to focus on this, what? This source, because it makes it really clear. I even, the Lord told, showed me this, don't listen to any other teaching. And I didn't understand why. I, there are sometimes I wanted to get books, but I didn't never read this. So I had to get what? This in me. So now when I go read another person's opinion, philosophy, or experience, I will know if it's real because it will connect to my spirit, not my head. But if I started reading other things before I got this down, then that would have started becoming what's in my head. And I wouldn't know how to identify it in my spirit. Until our spirit becomes so strong, it doesn't have to know every word. It just has to be alive and ready to detect truth. And then we hear truth. And so that's why this ministry is an awesome ministry for getting the truth of this word. Because the word already says it is what? Proven. All right. He had, he is Jesus is the living word. He is a shield to all who will trust him. So I go of this. Remember, trust means there's no what? There's no lack of gain. So if we keep this on and we heed the word, go to Proverbs 16, 20. If we will heed to this, he has promised us that he's going to change us. All right? Because our prosperity, our health, our wealth, and all these things we hear out there cannot be manifested until these, this is the basics. He who heeds the word now, so you can believe it's him. You can believe this now. He who heeds it, the word wisely. I love how it says wisely because it says in the end times, there will be many false teachers. There will be many false prophets. There will be many false theories about the word who take this word and they will actually use it incorrectly. So God reminds us, he who heeds the word wisely 
will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, I like this, happy is he. You know, people tell me, Lee, you're always happy. Well, I'm happy now. I wasn't happy before. And I was getting happy, but I still really wasn't happy. But now I am happy. Because, I mean, it's like, I am happy. And it doesn't mean that things in my life have to be perfect. It doesn't mean that I have everything. But I am happy because I've decided this is my trust. And this word is not just a written word. It's a word that becomes alive to my spirit. And when it becomes alive to my spirit, your first thing will be like, that doesn't make sense. But okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to heed it. That means I'm going to do what it says to do. And then he makes you a promise. He makes you a promise that you will find good and that you will be what? Happy. Okay. Now that's ultimately deep down. That's all what we want. Everybody in here just wants to be happy. And I'll tell you, we're writing in the, in the what holds you back. I just did the whole rest of the paragraphs on this. What do we think happy is? Happy is that you grow up, marry the right person, get the right house, have the right car, have the right reputation, make enough money, right? Go to retirement, and you think you're what? Happy. Because that's what we've taught everybody. Get the right education, get this. And if you're outside of that, which is not the path to Zion, if you're on that path, okay, and you're not intermixing it with the truth, then guess what? You are creating a world that God hasn't created for you because there is, we're not including him. We're not heeding the understanding. So I love, I just love that verse because it really goes, go ahead and uh, Todd, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-five. The Lord reminds us this because this is one of the first things God starts dealing with because the word has been used wrong. It's Proverbs 28, 25. The word has been used wrong. And this is what always will manifest. Remember, it manifests benefits of trust. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife. Now, let's talk about the word pride. Proud is to have pride. All right. Pride is on the unforgiveness chart and it's on the shame chart. The interesting about shame is shame deals with greed. And so he who is proud of heart stirs up strife. Okay, so you're proud because you're stirring something up to hide something. Shame is the hidden spot. And it's a thought. This is this represents darkness. And it causes you to do what? Rebel. It causes you to what? Stir up strife. It causes you to control people. That's lust. It causes you to what? Curse. And you know, it's interesting because the tongue is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So how we use our tongue is powerful. And the Lord showed me this. He reminded me, a serpent's tongue is cut. Going two different ways, speaking to. And a serpent cannot move unless its tongue feels ahead first. Well, if it's a two-tongue, it's looking for the best what? direction to benefit itself why it doesn't it's looking at both arenas and it's going to choose its best direction that is our shame we hide our motives of deception masking our real feelings doing things only for ourselves not they're not selfless and usually there is a greed it says but he who trusts in the lord 
will be prospered. Okay? So if you're trusting for money, if you're trusting for self, if you're trusting for your image, if you're trusting for whatever deception and truth that's not in that word, if you're heeding another lie, and if you're acting in the element of rebellion against the word, pride is, you, you know if you have this type of pride, shame will stir up a story so nobody focuses on what they really know inside is true. And so we all have shame. There isn't anybody that doesn't have a measure of shame because we have all of them, unforgiveness, shame, rejection. We start cutting them off, cutting them off, cutting them off. And I have dealt with this one the most. I had the most of this out of all the other charts. And so when I realized that every time Christ grows more in you, he says, lay off every what? Weight that hold, holds you down from getting to him. Well, these are the weights we've got to lay down so there's less of us and more of him. But he lets us know he who trusts in the Lord, which is his word, his revelatory word, will be prospered. All right, so... Man, these three verses, these four, if you just meditate these, it lifts you up. It reminds you, this is the truth. Because we are all born into different places to believe different things for the sole purpose of God to transform us into what he created us to be. Man, if we can get that right, shame would just start cutting down. When we start realizing every one of us are born into circumstances that are not positive, we can all cry a tissue. We can all figure out what bad things have happened. But God says, I allowed that because this is what I'm calling you to do. Do you believe the first half of our life is filling out all our pains to be ready to minister at the second half of our life? I mean, when we get that grip, it makes you more happy. And that's why we say it's harder with the young people. They haven't gone out and made too many mistakes. Doesn't mean the seeds aren't there. But God's trying to make it that people don't have to wait till they're 70 to get saved. God's trying to make it that you don't have to hit 40 to realize that you're about to get converted into your destiny. I mean, think about it. That's the way it is now. You have more people in their 40s getting converted into their destiny than anywhere else. And even if they've grown up in the church, their conversion into their destiny, that's the average range. Well, now he's trying to get that age range to get what? Younger. We want it younger. So people, he can have a more manifestations of maturity. All right. I mean, and I like it when we all hit where we're supposed to hit, if we're in his will and we believe these last four verses, if we exercise these last four verses, he actually moves us along and gets us to what we need to complete in our lives. And it doesn't make a difference when anybody dies. I'm not, I'm not worried about if I hit 120. If I do, that's great. But if I hit my will, if I complete all there's already a stack of assignments on Charlena, on Sheila, on Mamie, on Todd, on myself. There's a stack. He already has assignments for us. And he says, I want to give you long life. But our long life has to do with what he's got assigned in him. If we let go, we get no providence, which means protection. We get no safety in our health. We get no security of soul. There, we have none of that. And guess what? The, the most important one is our life is let, left up to God's choice to pull at any time to use it for his will. When the Lord showed me that everybody will lay their life down for a life, it doesn't make a difference if you're saved, you've rejected God, whatever. Every, I remember that revelation. Every life will be laid down for another life. 
We can do it willingly by doing our work for God, or we can be left open for God to take our life at a time that will save another life. And so that's why I rejoice in every death, whether lost, found, or whatever. I know that he ultimately uses every life and every spirit goes back to him. Now, where our soul goes, that's a whole, I, that is a whole completely different ball game. We have to know that he gives us the signs. When he says he was of a proud heart, we'll stir up strife. So who in your life is stirring up strife? Well, whoever's stirring up strife is what? Proud. If that person's proud because they're stirring up strife, that means they have a hidden spot in something there. They are giving a room to the enemy because they're not willing to seek the truth. And it always manifests. Every manifestation of one of these items, rebellion, pride, controlling, cursing, deception, masking, stuff, is because a light, a truth, or love of God came close to them. We have to be so secure in what Christ is doing to, for us that we have to know it's not our righteousness. It is his righteousness, and his righteousness is by Christ. In, I mean, in Christ by faith. So that means by faith, I've got to walk into a room. And if everybody attacks me, I have to keep saying to myself, it's because light, love, and truth is in me. It's not even because I said anything yet. It's in me. I have to recognize if I go into a room that's never, you know, that doesn't have, it's not, you know what I mean? There, there are people that could be saved. But if the majority of the Christ in you is what's in that room, it's going to cause some stirring. And when it causes stirring, these things start to manifest. People start talking about themselves. Ooh, I made this money. Da, 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 da. Pride starts increasing in all those areas. People start acting to be something that they were never meant to act to be. And we've all been through that. Come on, when we think about it. I mean, I think about it now when I'm younger. Yeah, I did feel that come on me. And I did do that. Or I did act that way. And why did I do that? And I, it wasn't my choice. It was because these influences are surrounding constantly. They're surrounding us constantly to be changed. All right, go to, Todd, this is great, Proverbs 35. It says, and this is really cool, next step. Every word of God is pure. Every word of God will be purified. It will, it's used to purify you. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So here's another backing up, letting you know, every word of God is a pure word. So the ones that were in, I mean, he has sanctified this and this is of a pure direction. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. All right. The key thing we have to focus on is what we have taught this. It's in our book too. That whatever thought you have behind that thought, okay, is, is a theory. It's, a, it's, it's something you've learned. Um, something that's happening to you. A thought comes. But then if it's a thought of fear, it's a negative thought and it's not good then that means behind every fear is a lie of something else you're trusting but God. So think about that. Anytime we fear something, then that means we've trusted. Very good, thank you. We've trusted something that's not God. Now that's pretty deep. 
And that's, that is, you know, when Zinni, some people, some people started sharing on Monday, it was amazing how people were talking about things that they feared, but believe it or not, what Robin's story, you were all here for Robin's story. Robin's story was the enemy trying to get her to feel the shame of the enemy to get you to reconnect with fear. How many times have somebody tried to reconnect you with fear because you didn't have enough money? See what I'm saying? I love one of Todd's stories. Todd's car, he is coming to this ministry. He is called to this ministry. His car, what? Breaks down to one of the pinnacle points of his transition. But somebody comes to them and says, I'll lend you money to get a car. Not giving him money, lending him money, which would have put him in what? Bondage because the man has no debt. Todd has no debt. Todd is, and it doesn't make a difference if Todd has zero to his name. He's not going to go and borrow money because that would be the enemy snaring him. Okay? Because it says right there, the fear of man brings a what? Snare. And that's what happens. And when I see that happening to somebody, you can't tell them because God wants that person to choose him. And the only way we start choosing him is we've got to go out and make that mistake. Do you know what I mean? And we have to seek him or we have to become broken. And then in our confession, then he enters in and now he starts making everything whole. Because without confession, do you know what I mean? You're in the snare of the trap because he knows he can still work you because you're afraid to do what? Confess out what it is. So I loved it. Todd dealt with it in his mind. You could see the swirling going around Todd during that time. And it happened to, it happened to somebody else he knew. And that person already had talked to, you know, came to us. If you come to a mentor, if you come to somebody who knows that word better than you, they're going to still give you the what? The right godly direction. What was amazing, Todd figured it out on his, on his own. I mean, I was so awesome. But at the same time, Todd did not feel good throughout the whole time, did you? No, Todd wanted to take it because <laughs> it would have been so easy to do it. And the whole time I knew he was going through it, I was thinking, oh, Todd, please don't take it. Please don't take it. It's going to be a snare. It's going to be a snare. It's going to be a snare. And the whole time I wanted to tell him, but God would what? He wouldn't let me. Because the only way we can learn is through experience. And that's where the love of God truly enters in because we have to have the experience or we would never, we would never grow up in this, or we could never look at this chart and admit that you have it. <laughs> That's what I love. I am really good about admitting all my flaws because it's only, it's only what makes a better teacher because you know he has set me free because I don't mind talking about the, the mistakes I've made. And when I feel like I made a mistake, I want to go right back and correct it because that doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. So we're going to end with this because we have to end early tonight. Um, Jeremiah 17, 7, and I was going to get more on shame, but I think we're going to keep it to this Jeremiah seven. So remember, if you feel fear, what's the first thing you should be saying there? There's a trap. Okay. The moment I love it. I, I, I had said to Jean, okay, we truly have a widow in the house. We have Sheila, right? Because now that, that whatever the assignment was on Franklin's life, well, now what will happen is the enemy will want to try to what? Fear. Put fear in her. But the word says that a true widow, you have to assess what their life is. It says in the word in Timothy that if they have a good, strong family, what family do they have around them? Well, you are blessed. I told Jane, I said, when you really think about it, she has a strong family. She's got parents that are like awesome. You know what I mean? I really do hope they come here. I love your mom. (laughs) Every time I see her. And then you look at Robert. 
like God, and I'm sure there's other people, your three daughters and everything. But what I saw is the Lord has set you up so you don't fear because God's going to bring Sheila into another level, but he doesn't want her to what? Fear being alone. He doesn't want her fearing that there isn't. So he's already put the right people, but the test is going to be stay in that isolation, stay in that zone with me because it's going to be very easy for people to want to invade your environment because you had a protector, your husband. But now Jesus comes and he does that. But fear, I don't know if you've experienced that yet. Have you experienced any fear? Right. And that's right then. you It's like, okay, that means the snare is set out to get me to get off the path of Zion. That is exactly, anytime fear, I love Charlene's situation with her. She's gone through this awesome court case, which is just awesome testimony. And it's awesome. Every time right before a move happens in it, what happens? Fear. And it is. It's, we, I'm laughing at it because she's about to have something next week. And what's come in? Fear because of her son. I mean, it's so, I mean, and you see it with Carrie every time. When the snares come in near Carrie, it's like berserk goes out in his family and he can't take it. I mean, I'm serious. He makes it very well known. You walk in. Okay. Is your family okay? No. Okay. The snare is out there. You know, I mean, that's, we do, we have to start laughing. You know what I mean? Because we have to watch everybody's transparency. We have to watch it because when we watch it is when we learn, we learn and then we can laugh with one another and then he cleanses what's not him and then puts us back in the right place. There is, people can't come in here and be religious snobs and say, I'm better, they're not. Mm -mm. Everybody has to go through the process. Everybody will have to deal with fears. All right, so it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. So no matter what, we are blessed if we are in the Lord and we have to have hope who is in the Lord. And what I, w- what I would like to ask here, does everybody have the Joyce Myers Bible? I'm going to tell you a page to read tonight and meditate on, and then we're going to end. And I'm sorry that this was a quick night, but I hope that was okay for everybody. I would like everybody to read. I was going to teach this out. This was the next where I was going. It's in page 1956, and it's called Take the Pressure Off. And that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. If we trust in him, you really can take the pressure off, right? There is no pressure, Mamie. There is no pressure, Todd. We create the pressure when we fear. He says, take the pressure off. And he says, I do not consider brethren that I have captured and made it my own. It's not about you. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind me. This is the word. This is Philippians 3.13. Forgetting what lied behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. Boom. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and who hopes in the Lord. That means you've got to forget your past. You've got to be reconciled to that past with God. And then it says straining forward. Why is it straining? It's straining forward because you are walking now in Christ by faith, hoping in what he's telling you is his secure word, is his proven word, is his way. He doesn't want us to get off the path and be and mourn what we've missed. I want you to think about this. If you start looking over there and you're starting thinking, if that's the path, 
I'm mourning that. I miss it. I want to get back there. Okay, that means you are already what? Off it. <laughs> if you got to look back and mourn on it, you're off of it. Okay, and now it says, now forget the past, but now to get back to it, it's going to be what? A strain. He says, pressed forward toward the goal. And the goal is in him. But if you don't know that it's his perfect way, and you don't know that his word is the thing he wants you to trust. And like I said, if you don't trust his word, and you're listening and reading a bunch of other stuff, that's why we get called into sanctification. Cut it all out. I'm telling you that from experience. I heard the Lord say to me, do not listen to anything else except for Gene, and listen and read the word. And boy, I really, I wasn't trying though too, so it was easy. I don't know what it was like for somebody who has already read all these different theories. Do you get what I'm saying? And who has, you know, all this degreed or who has read all these and keeps hopping church to church? I, I don't know. All I know is when the Lord showed me that there are compelling forces that try to pull us, but the impelling power of the Holy Spirit keeps us. You got to know the difference. What's the difference between impelling? What's the difference between compelling? Because they both draw. But one draws you into an ally, and the other one keeps you safe in the truth. And so, and um, that's what I've learned. There is a safety in him that is really great if you study. And I, like what you went through, Sheila, I really did read all about widow, everything, because my heart wanted to be able to pray for you in what I know the enemy would try to get to you. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Lord gave to me um, Isaiah 54, like your one restless night, yeah. where he said that um, I will take away the reproach from your widowhood because oh, now yeah. because now your maker is your husband. Okay. Yeah. And I said, Lord God, thank you yeah. that you're my husband yeah. and taking the pain away from being a widow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Isaiah 54. Isaiah I love 54. it. It's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. I loved it when you said, I don't like the word widow. <laughs> but I actually like talking about our individual oh, yeah. positions yeah. because like when I think about you in a court case or I think about me in this book, like Lord's really challenging me because I, when I broke my ankle, that's when we put the whole book together. But now I've got to rewrite and rewrite because it's not to where his perfection is. And so I have to tell you, I'm challenged because... I just want to go home and read in the Word and enjoy freedom like that. Well, when I'm in the book, I feel like I'm on assignment. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's doing a homework assignment, a research paper. And so that's my challenge that's going to me because I know the harvest is me finishing that.